Hello and welcome back to Commodity Conversations by the team at Mercado, the podcast where we aim to keep you up to date with the key trends, drivers and movements in agricultural markets. I'm Olivia Agar. Thanks for listening in today. We have a first-time guest on today's episode, Roberto Cardellino, streaming into today's conversation from Uruguay to share his knowledge on the wool production systems and markets in his country, as well as his views on consumer trends and the outlook for the broader wool market. So more on that in a minute, but first, just what a week it's been over the eastern half of the country as devastating stories and images in some regions, but then also such optimism for the turnaround in places like Queensland, where some of the regions were pretty dry prior to last week. And that's just sent a real rocket under young cattle and lamb markets this week. Back to record levels actually for the Eki, but also just some of the cropping areas couldn't have asked for better conditions at this time of year with soil moisture profiles full and dams filled. So we'll try and get a more detailed episode next week on what all this rain means for the outlook. But today it's my pleasure to introduce Roberto. He is Director of Delta Agri Consultants based in Uruguay, but actually has a long history in Australia going back to studying sheep breeding and wool production at the University of New South Wales. He's also been the representative of the Uruguayan wool industry at IWTO since 1996 and worked as a consultant not just in South America, but also for Iran and Australia. In addition to all that, Roberto was also responsible for importing the first Dooney animals and embryos from WA into Uruguay in 2001. So with that background, I think we're in pretty good hands today. I certainly learn a lot about the differences in production and processing in Uruguay. We'll get underway after this short thank you to the sponsor of today's episode. Thanks for tuning in to Commodity Conversations. This week is brought to you by ProAdvice. ProAdvice offer tailored services to suit your accounting needs. They have a long history of working with farming families and they understand the day-to-day realities and challenges of farm life. Whether it be strategic and succession planning, improving your communication and decision making, or accounting services and business software solutions, ProAdvice will help your farm run more efficiently. Hop on their website or give them a call to find out more. Well, thanks for that introduction, Olivia. Yes, we've got Roberto all the way from Uruguay on the line, and um, it's terrific to talk to him because we we have had a, a contact for a long time Roberto but um, yeah. today we, we just want to take advantage of, um, of you giving our um, commodity conversations listeners a bit of an insight into the Uruguayan sheep and wool situation just to start off with how many how many sheep in Uruguay and is that is that number falling like it has in Australia or is it stable or is it growing well the the, uh, the present number is uh, approximately uh, 6.7 million and that it went down quite a bit from uh, in the last say 15 20 years we used to have in the 90s uh, probably 25 million sheep because here here the 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 production systems are, are mixed you know uh, if, if you have a, a farm involving in uh, animal production you would run uh, beef cattle and and sheep as well so they're mixed, mixed systems, okay? And we have uh, in the country, say, 12 million beef cattle. 
So it's not uh, a country where, where the sheep is the only option. Eventually, uh, you, you can run a farm without any sheep at all, but you couldn't run a farm without beef cattle. It's, that would be impossible. So what type of sheep are they, Roberto? What, are they similar types to Australia? Because you've spent some time out here. You know a lot about Australian sheep. Actually, because of the climate, it's, it's quite, uh, say, for, for merino production, it's not the whole country is suitable for merino, I would say. That, that's why we have, say, 40% Corridales and uh, 35 38% Merinos. In the last year, some, some uh, Merino Dunis and some... Uh, Polworth and so on. But obviously, what happened in the last, say, 10, 15 years was that the, the proportion of Merino increased quite a lot because of you know, the differences in prices between, say, Merino wool and medium type corridor wools, which are typically 27 to 29 or 30, haven't got a, a good price, okay? But in some regions, you, you cannot just cannot run uh, Merinos. I noticed that Uruguay exports a lot of its wool as processed as tops which is completely different to what happens in australia how does that work is it i mean you must have capacity and labor etc to to be able to do that yes that's right it's a, it's, it's it's a big difference we have uh, four uh top making plants at the moment which are quite modern and, and very efficient and uh, they also work in according to you know the new regulations on environment and water and and uh, approximately, they process 55 to 60 percent of the of the whole clip. And uh, because we have also some uh, exported of uh, greasy wool, say four or five, Uruguay is now importing wool, greasy wool. Some is coming actually from from Australia as well. The advantage of having a, a say combing capacity, which is can compete with the mainly China, you know, you, you, you don't have practically uh, no more uh, top-making plants in, in, in Europe. You have one in, in Czech Republic, one in Bulgaria, but uh, all the rest is, is gone. Is that uh, we do not depend on that market so much on China, you know? Otherwise, it's, it's, if you export, uh, say, greasy, greasy wool or, or, or scoured wool for no lamb wool or pieces or whatever. Basically, you have to sell to China or something to to India. You know? So, so the uh, the options for 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 the tops are, are much much higher. More, more countries are you know, buying buying wool tops, which is an advantage, you know. So, how is this translated to your prices, Roberto? Are you are your prices? tracking pretty much in line with Australia or um, are you able to, you know, increase the value because of that um, that processing capacity you've got? I, I think it's, it's good to uh, to tell you at the beginning that we sell the wool in a different way uh, that, that you sell in Australia. We have no uh, open wool auctions. We just have a private system, say, between the top makers and the exporters, you know, through any wool broker or whatever. And the wool is sold, what we call all in. You sell the lot and uh, you get a price for the whole lot in the farm. So you, you don't have to take the wool anywhere. 
the uh, the, the the shearing gangs, the shearing uh, contractors. Uh, we have a system uh, by which we certify some wool contractors. So they do all the work. They take all the hand pieces to, to your farm. They do all the work. And uh, we have a certification systems of, of the shearing gangs. And then if they are certified, they can uh, do the, uh, the, the sampling of, 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 your, of your clip. So all the wool is sold by uh, description of you know yield diameter or whatever like you and obviously the references is prices in Australia. I was comparing, for example, today if you want to know, for example, the uh, say 19.5 micron in Australia in in Australian dollars it was in in uh, it was 14.6 Australian dollars and Uruguay all in that is. The fleece plus bellies plus pieces plus everything was 12.1. So I would say this is on the same line. I mean, we have improved quite a lot the, the quality of our marina production. We we started with a with a plan. I was I was I was involved in that back, you know, 20, 30 years ago. They used to bring the genetics from the wrong part of Australia mainly from, for example, uh, the South Australian type, you know, which is basically, uh, well, it was very big animal, very strong, but, but coming from a, a region where, you know, the rain was very, very scarce and, and also the humidity was very, very low. So the adaptation of this type of animals in Europe was terrible. You know, yep. you had all sorts of problems of colors and, fungus and whatever. So we decided to import from, and, and we did a, a, a nice tour in Australia and, and started to bring animals from uh, mainly New England, you know, the fine to medium type. And uh, now we got say more length, uh, very good color. They stand very well the, uh, the rainfall we have here. We have uh, 1200 millimeters on average during the whole year, so it's you need a good fleece to 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 uh, to stand this uh, situation. But uh, fortunately, and you know the comments of the top makers and, and the exporters is the quality is is really very good. Now, I was I was looking at a presentation you gave to in Canada, Roberto, and I was interested in some of your thoughts on customers and the consumer moves that are happening in the future and, 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 and what you think might happen. And I think your ideas are, are something that we'd like to hear about here in Australia because everybody's trying to figure out, you know, where the wool industry goes, where does it fit? Um, we know that supply is going to remain tight. You know, there's no rapid growth in the sheep flock here in Australia or anywhere else in the world. So, so what do you think is going to happen and, and how will these changes impact on wool demand going forward? I think that um, in, in in the short term it's going to be tough, you know, because uh, even though uh, that uh, there was the, the, the initial movement was uh, in the very fine sector of marine wools, mainly China is the one that that is moving the market. It's going to mainly to uh, very fine, you know, at the beginning it started buying seventeen microns, eighteen microns. 
to mix with uh, with cashmere to produce a, a very fine and very uh, high quality um, sweater, you know. Europe was absolutely absent. Uh, I think the, the, the market due to the to the COVID is, is, is very, very tough at the moment. But I think some of us think that in the future, the conditions will be much better for wool than for any, probably any other fiber. And why I say that? Because um, there's been a, a, a quite a big uh, change in the in the in, in the final consumer. You know, they're more uh, more, more focused on environment. There's more focus on uh, labor conditions. And uh, if you look at the at, at what is called the the fast fashion, which was the main enemy of wool. You know. Uh, producing very cheap garments to be used probably eight, ten times in during the life, and uh, with very cheap uh, fibers, mainly synthetic, of course. And now uh, another consumer is looking at this in in a different way. For example, the uh, the problem that the fast fashion with this all the residues of the of the the garments and the residues of the of the fibers is causing in 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 the environment. In in many countries, there are sort of uh, like islands of all these residues, and and, and I have figures that, uh, for example, the main contaminant of the uh, of the oceans with thirty five percent are the are the synthetic fibers, you know, and and so. All, all the say all the polyester since since the first year they produce polyester is still is still say living and it's not like wool it's biodegradable and, and so on so we we see a, a sort of trend in the consumer that it's going to be favor to all and, 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 and I think this is happening very quickly then we see um, even even this is have been said by by the men uh, by the men at uh, fast fashion operators like uh, you know Inditex which uh, owns uh, Zara H and M Gap Walmart and so on they, they, they are all in the other thing is is that uh, there will be more and more demand and we we are seeing this in, in in our country and probably this is also happening in Australia too. More demand on the certification of products. You know, for example, uh, here even the the four top making plants are promoting the the certification with R R W S or organic or or as you are developing sustainable, whatever. But this is going to be very very important. And at the moment, with this uh, sort of uh, very uh, reduce demand. If you, as a producer, have higher WS organic or some other, uh, th that's good. You get the benefits, in, in, even though now it, it is it is paid by the, by the uh, top makers. It's not paid by, by by the growers. And the other thing I think it's it's important, and obviously 
you know this uh, Rob better than me. He does that uh, you are going to have a, a big pressure on the topic of mulesing. This is going to be an issue as well, because I remember being in Australia many, many years ago in Tasmania and looking at the PETA group, I'm talking about 20 years ago, but in that time, they were just, they were, they were uh, discussing the topic of mules and blah, 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 you know, and then you could see uh, in the website, all, all the story of the operation of mules and so on. Fortunately, we don't have that uh, fly in Uruguay, not even in, in Argentina or Chile, Brazil. There's another one, but it's not it's not the same as so bad as the Lucilia Cuprina that you have. But I know that you're working on this. It's a big discussion point, Roberto, and you've really hit the nail on the head that we're we're going to have to um, continue to to focus on on that issue. Based on all of that, and just to wrap up, we really appreciate getting your insights at another level. And I'm sure that the people listening, certainly in the wool industry here, would be really keen on understanding um, all the things you know about. But just to finish off on, I mean, if we've got this, you know, emerging demand, like you're saying, we're coming out of a very uh, uncertain economic situation, but we're also going to have tight supply all around the world but compared to historic levels. So what do, you, what do your, you know, in a broad brush sense, Roberto, what's the future prospects for wool? Are we going to, we're seeing challenges here even getting, uh, you know, with harvesting, with shearing, et cetera. How do you think that's all going to play out? I think uh, the situation is going to be, I, I'm sure about this. I, I don't think we can talk about wool just as one product. I think the prospect for fine, super fine, Etc. Say less than 22, 20, etc. It's going to be good, very good for all uh, all, all the arguments I said I said uh, at the beginning. It's going to be very tough for very coarse wool, say the situation of New Zealand, and it's going to be quite difficult for say medium type wools like like uh, the, the ones produced by by corridors and so on. Unless you have a situation like you have in Australia with the crossbreds, where you have a business that is based more on the production of lamb meat rather than wool. So the wool is a byproduct. But you have, a, say, a corridor and you depend, say, half and half on wool and so on. Now, now the, the, the corridor breeders here have quite a problem and there is also a big problem in, in New Zealand as well. I mean, they're discussing a strategy and I think that it's very good because I think the worst strategy is is not to have a strategy. So at least it's good to, uh, to discuss eventually what you can do and so on. And I've seen some documents that you are discussing in Australia as well. So I think, I think it's very necessary and, uh, in particularly, for example, I've been doing some work for Argentina and Chile in the south, in the Patagonia, where the, the production of, of, of sheep and wool is, is, is not an option. I mean, it's, it's, it's the only thing they can do because it's a desert. The situation here is you can, you can run a 
beef cattle or whatever. But uh, but in those areas where, where, where there's no other thing you can do, well, they're trying in, in all these cases to go into into the production of merino and so on. It's, it's been terrific to talk to you, Roberto, and um, I know we've been connected for a long time and, and via Andrew Woods, et cetera. Um, I think what's come through is that um, this sheep industry is um, is something that connects people all around the world. Your passion for it's come through today, and uh, we really appreciate it. We hope we can talk to you again sometime down the track, and yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, and we'll be looking forward to those predictions of yours where the future prospects of wool and and sheep meat encourage more and more people to um, consider sheep. So thank you very much, Roberto. All the best. Well, thank you. And uh, and uh, okay, we'll keep in touch. Thank you. It's been it's, it's been a pleasure. Special thanks to Roberto for coming on Commodity Conversations today. And to our listeners, thanks for tuning in. If you enjoy the podcast, we'd appreciate your support by giving us a good rating or review on your podcast app. Also by sharing it around with your friends, family and teammates. So stay safe and we'll be back for more next week.